but I was the one doing all the work, which cool, 24 years old, making 600K a year. I don't think anybody's going to bat an eye against that and say that's bad. And then fast forward this past year, did 1.7 million gross, hired on a lot of people, cut that margin down. But even at a 55, 60, about a 55% net profit margin, I was able to take home over a million bucks last year, just in my business alone, not including my real estate. Welcome to the Action Academy Podcast. Stand back while I celebrate freedom. The show where we help you achieve financial independence with the mindsets, methods, and actionable steps from guests who've already earned their freedom. The flags of freedom fly. Choose to do what you want. What you want. With who you want. With who you want. When you want. When you want. With another episode today. Now, here's your host, Brian Lubin. All right, all right. Brian Bakey, learn like a CPA. What is up, my brother from another mother? How are you? Hey, Brian, I'm doing good. How's it going? It's going awesome, man. You're, I think we've gotten almost everyone from our little group chat up on the pod now. So this is this has been fun. You and I are in this group chat. I think we got about six people now, six, seven people. And it started with me and Josh Lupo. And I think we added Brennan about a year or two ago. And then we just started slowly adding people. And then you are the latest addition. I don't know who it was. I think it was Brennan was like, dude, this guy, Ryan, he's sick. Like he does all this stuff. We need to add him to the group. And then you came in and just started swinging, dude. It was awesome. <laughs> this is our first time actually meeting on on Zoom or on like where we're actually seeing each other. So yeah. nice to formally meet you, man. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's so important to be a part of those groups, just learning from other people. And I wish I would have tapped into a network like that when I was first starting. Dude, yeah, same. But because you tend to lone wolf it in the beginning because you just don't know what you don't know. And then as soon as you get around other people, you know, we have some crazy conversations in that text. And I believe that we've texted every day for, whoa, yeah, definitely over a year, which is insane to think about. So that's super cool, man. But for people that are brand new to you, who is Ryan Bakey? Walk us through who you are, what you do, and then we'll get into a hell of a podcast episode. Yeah, now I run I run a full service CPA firm for real estate investors. Um, you can be a business owner also, but you have to own real estate in order to work with us. We won't take you on unless you own rental properties and you're primarily looking to build wealth using real estate. I started with a corporate background. I did big four consulting at Deloitte for a few years. I found out that's not what I really wanted to do. I wanted to help not the everyday person become rich, but I wanted to help the person and their family. That was going to change their family tree. So I was one leg in, one leg out at Deloitte back in 2021. Fast forward now, over 300 real estate investor clients of ours, over a million dollars in gross revenue. And I'm also a real estate investor myself. So I've done everything between like house hacking a duplex I'm sitting in now, all the way up to about a $6 million campground. Dude, yeah, that's awesome. And are you cool with me sharing the gross? Because you almost did freaking yeah. two million gross and you're taking home a million. And how old are you? I'm twenty five. I turned twenty six on March first. Yeah. And when did so you start I, this business? Uh, yeah, so I started the business June twenty twenty one. Um so I got my C I was at the time I was the youngest CPA in Illinois. I got my CPA license in twenty twenty. I was only twenty one years old then. And I, I went to work for Deloitte for a year in 2020. 
And I started this business on the side because at, at then I realized, hey, my employer is charging the client $500 an hour for my time and they're turning around and paying me peanuts. I can cut out the middleman and I could try to make the difference. Now, I'm not going to go work for a hedge fund or something like that on my own, but I started taking on some side work and it grew to 100K gross revenue 2021. So that gave me the confidence, hey, if I can make more in 15 hours a week doing this service, then what happens if I leave and go all in? So I, I did that. So 2022 is my first year, January 4th, 2022. I just came up on my set, like two-year anniversary of being full-time self-employed. First year out the gate, I did about 880000 gross revenue, which I want to say at, what I took home versus what I paid the IRS. Those are two different numbers. But from that, I took home about six hundred k So I had extremely high profit margins, but no scale. And so I took home a lot of money based on what I grossed, but I was the one doing all the work, which cool. 24 years old making 600K a year. I don't think anybody's going to bat an eye against that and say that's bad. And then fast forward this past year, did 1.7 million gross, hired on a lot of people, cut that margin down. But even at a 55, 60, about a 55% net profit margin, I was able to take home over a million bucks last year, just in my business alone, not including my real estate. Dude, that is... Yeah, that's freaking sick, man. Now for us, like we're closer down to 40% because we invest really heavily back into team and back into the business. And honestly, and that's something that you and I speak about a little bit where it's just, I can't really fathom, how do you emotionally do that? Now, these are like super niche questions. But for me, it's like you I almost have the ability to do that. But I don't think I could emotionally do that. Where I'm taking that as income because for me, I'd be like, man, I just want to invest, reinvest that all back into the business. So, how do you emotionally do that? Does that make sense? Yeah. And it's weird because um, Robert Kiyosaki, and I don't mean to bring him up because he's trying to push silver lately, but he says the purpose of business <laughs> is to buy real estate. And he's right. Correct. We want to earn money and convert it into passive assets. But here's one thing about uh, business that a lot of people don't think about it's that. All the money that you put into your business, whether it's in employees or whether it's staffing or building SOPs and systems or education and masterminds and stuff, that's a tax deduction, number one. But number two, the government cannot tax you on your unrealized education gains, for example, right? So if I'm making 500K mm-hmm. a year in 2024, right? Or I'm sorry, 2022, and then I invest 15 grand into education to teach me how to make a million dollars the next year, the government is not taxing That's a deduction. That. It's a deduction, number one. But the government's not taxing my knowledge until I actually realize it on paper. And if I continue to reinvest it into my businesses, like they're never going to get that until I sell. And then, of course, like when you sell, there's more tax benefits when you sell an asset than when you earn income. right? And so I just have this mindset of, dude, the government... My email list can grow from 9000 to 90,000 people. My podcast can grow to this and the government's not taxing that until I actually turn a profit from it. So that's how I view it. But. I love that. And I think that's something that you said is super important. How you went about things is super important because we did things the same way, which is why I'm glad you got added to this freaking group because I did the same thing, but in a different way through my podcast and created my podcast business. And so I'm interested. So you were making 75000 at Deloitte, correct? Yeah, all in about that. Yeah. So most people, their traditional path, and a lot of people listening to this podcast 
are in that job and they are now saying, okay, how do I invest in real estate to replace $75,000 of income passively? So then therefore, ipso facto, I become financially free. You and I did it a bit differently to where we bought real estate. We had some cash flow coming from the real estate, but we built side businesses that were the primary cash flow vehicle that we then funneled into more cash flow and then therefore funneled into more passive assets to build the cash flow. But the real estate cash flow was not the primary vehicle that allowed us to exit. Why did you do that? And maybe what's some advice that you would give to somebody that is looking to passive income their way out purely through real estate? Because that's what we do in Action Academy as well. And now it's, we're focusing more so on business starting, business branding, business buying, as well as the real estate. And I'm just confused about why everyone wants to purely passive income their way out through real estate, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, and I don't, that's what gets pitched a lot to people, right? It's like you work this corporate job. And you're going to learn how to do rentals. You're going to learn how to do the burst strategy or whatever it is, you know, flipping, whatever. But it, it's tough to do that in real estate uh, because there's a lot of things that are out of your control, such as like market risk, timing. We're in election year now. And not to be a doomsdayer, but there's a good chance if, if you only have 100 grand, 150 grand or whatever, and you put that into a property, who, if that's a lot of your net worth, like who knows? What if it gets locked up in a deal? And it's like you now you need a years of rental income before you can pull your money out or you got to sell it and then you got to pay transaction costs. So it is hard to scale out of your W2 going directly just to real estate. And it's also probably the most risky. Now, how I got started is through house hacking, which is a lot of people do. And I would recommend this to anybody, especially if you're single, if you're like married or with somebody else, probably not so much. I learned from my own experience. But when I bought my first house uh, at 21, my monthly mortgage for the entire thing was 1500 bucks a month. And my tenant was paying $1,200. So I was paying $300 a month for what's normally somebody's largest expense. And, I, and then I was able to just save and invest the difference of that income. And you know what happened when I did that? I had, the, I had more confidence because you have all these people in your life, like parents, significant other, their parents that are going to tell you, what if it goes wrong? Or what if the tenant's toilet goes out at 3 a.m. and you need to fix it? There's all these people that are going to tell you, what if? But there's never somebody that's going to tell you, what if it could be better than you ever imagined? And that's what I'm here to do mm -hmm. and to help people and show people that it can be better than you ever imagined. You just have to try. Because if, if you're sitting in that corporate job right now and you have these skills, you're a CPA, you're a salesperson, and you're consistently making six figures a year, Go stack up 12 months of expenses and go start a business and go all in. And, and what happens in a year if you don't make money? You just go back to the same six-figure job that you were doing before, just like everybody else. The risk Obviously, it gets risky if you have kids or if you're married, the older you are. But nobody got rich without taking risk. Nobody got rich without taking risk. Yeah. And so whenever I, I say the same thing, but when, whenever I pitch it, I'm just saying, hey, your worst case scenario is your present day reality. Like your definition of hell is what you're experiencing on Monday right now. <laughs> and I love that you say that because it's all a, a risk mitigation factor. So everyone thinks that, and I just made a video on this where people are so terrified of failure, but that's the only guarantee that any of us can make to anybody is that they will fail. 
That is the only death, taxes, and failure are the only three guarantees in life. And if the, I would actually make the argument that the more that you fail and the more that you lean into failure, the more successful you will be. I don't believe success is possible without failure because if you are trying to live this cardboard peanut pack in styrofoam peanut kind of life, like in this padded cell of safety, there's no upside gain. And that's why I love what you did. And I'm curious, there's a lot of people in here that are listening that are working jobs. Maybe they're not a CPA, but they're, they're very highly proficient about what they do. And for me, that was podcasting. Ironically, it was nothing to do with my sales background. But even with what you were saying, I was like, if I leave, I'm never going to make below six figures again in my life. So I did exactly what you said. And I left, and I started up my own thing. And I had you also, another important point to make is you had a year's worth of profit to show. Like you proved that the thing worked, right? And the same thing with me. I had four months of profit to show that my side hustle worked. What's some advice that you can give to somebody that's listening to this? And they're like, man, I want to do that too. I want to start my own thing, but I'm not sure what thing to start. What's some advice you can give? A lot of times people's highest ROI task is not what they're most passionate about. Okay, if you can see my hands. Highest ROI task for a doctor is in that operating room. But are they going to be the most passionate about doing that? No. Like a lot of them are passionate about their families or not being in the operating room or spending time elsewhere. And if your highest ROI skill is not what you're most passionate about, the highest ROI skill just becomes a means to an end until you're able to save up enough money in order to just spend what you're doing, what you're most passionate about. Okay. And so now that's not to say, yeah, go get a liberal arts degree. And go go do what you love because you'll never work a day in your life. I don't think that's true. But if you're working those jobs and that's not what you're most passionate about, eventually you're going to burn out. And you see, you see mm-hmm. this all the time in, in tech, in CPAs, healthcare. And so I would say find something that you think you're top 10% at in the world at doing and try to do that because you don't have to be an expert. I started my CPA firm when I was 23. Who's handing money to a 23-year-old that says they're a CPA? Nobody. But you know what helps is I don't have to be an expert. I just have to be two or three steps ahead of the person that I'm helping. Okay, Because if you were once like fat and overweight, guess what? You can help somebody that's fat and overweight. If you were once broke, now you can help broke people. Okay, And so you don't have to be an expert. You just have to be a couple steps ahead of somebody. That's why the first step of Alcoholics Anonymous out of the 12 steps is you have to find a sponsor. And the sponsor has already had to go through the program. And so you don't have to be this expert in what it is that you're doing to get... If you're doing medical, yeah, you got to be a damn hand surgeon or heart surgeon or whatever. Don't get me wrong. But you don't have to be an expert. Like You just have to get started. I, li- I like that you say that. And also, I would add the caveat on top of that, that if you do start purely from your passions because i literally wrote the book on this like from passive to passionate like i wrote the book on everything that you're saying here and i would say though that there is a side of caution to err on that the passionate income comes when you have the financial foundation established and secure because i had a buddy on here chris that buys car washes and he was talking about he loves mountain biking He is obsessed with mountain biking and he lives in Denver. And there is like a mountain bike shop in Denver on every single corner, just like there's a smoke shop. (laughs) And 
most of them are barely scraping by or they're dramatically in the red. And if you love mountain biking, quite possibly the easiest and best way to ruin your love of mountain biking is to quit your job and go starting up and go start up a mountain bike company in Denver just because you love it and you haven't assessed the market opportunity or the problem. So I think something to add to your advice that you gave, I believe that people, if you start with the problem and then you build the skill set for the solution, I think that's an easier way to go about it instead of starting with the solution and trying to find a problem. And your solution that you already had and the problem that you already had was people, taxes are becoming increasingly complicated and people are increasingly, there's a need for it. And you're like, I can go out and do this. I can solve this problem. And you start with the problem and then you build the solution on the back end. And so the same thing with us at Action Academy, I was like, okay, cool. The problem is you have all these people that are making, like specifically my problem is I was making six figures. I can't just buy a rental property per year and leave. That does not get me anywhere in the ballpark of financial freedom to be able to leave if I'm making a quarter million a year. So that's why I was like, we need to build something specifically for that problem. So we solve expensive problems for expensive people. And that's what you did as well. So I'm curious, walk us through. So you start this thing on the side. A lot of people that are listening to this, or not a lot, but some may use the excuse of, how do you find time for that? I don't have time for that. And so I'm curious, while you were working at Deloitte, you built a six-figure side hustle that made more than your day job while you were working your day job for a year. Can you expand on that about how you carved out time and how you were able to pull this off? Yeah, th- there was. I didn't have a time management solution <laughs> like I do now. Whoa. Um, yeah, I've taken the. What I did back then is I just busted my ass. No, no fans, buts about it. 80, 85 hours a week total, 60, 55, 60 at my day job, and another 20 on the side, right? I just hustled and grinded because here's the thing. Back then, I realized, oh, on the top of my W 2, I can make the equivalent of $200 an hour, right? Or whatever I was making back then. I don't even remember. But see, here's the thing about the people that are going to be super successful and then the people that are just going to cut, cut weight, get there. I, a friend of, let's say somebody needs $2,000 a month to live. That's what they need for rent, groceries, etc. Somebody figures out how to make $200 an hour. There's people in this world that will say, Oh, great. I only need to work 10 hours a month. I figure out how to make $200 an hour at age 22. And I'm like, how the hell do I work 100 hours a week? And so it's just the difference in the mindset. And so I, I can't tell you I had like a framework back then, but I will say what I do now is, and I've learned this from the Navy SEALs actually, the Navy SEALs, you ever wonder why SEAL Team 6 only has six people on it? Like th- these are the six baddest on the planet, but there's only six of them. Why is it not 20? Why not 25? Six dudes. And what they do is they talk about prioritize and execute. So they have this thing called the circle of focus. And so imagine drawing a circle. And so if you only have one thing in the circle, that's what you focus on and that's what you execute, like you execute that. Now, if there's two things in the circle, now it's 50-50. Now you cannot prioritize and execute. What if you have three or four or five things that you're working on? So it's all about writing out all the, the five or seven things you need to get done in the next week. Put one of those in that circle and just execute. That one goes out, next one, right? And so I just prioritize and execute now. Like when I look at my daily tasks, I'm just like one thing at a time because Here's the thing, and I meant to say this earlier. Um, if you're an entrepreneur, there's a good chance you have ADHD, which means like you get distracted easy. It's, oh, I have this tab open. I got to do that. We need, as entrepreneurs, like we need to get the hell out of our own way 
and do get the task done and move on. But here's the thing with entrepreneurs, because we think we can do it, we think we could do it all. So in the beginning, we're doing our own bookkeeping, our own editing, our own outreach management. You do not have time for that because you want to spend what's called time in your genius zone. So mm-hmm. your genius zone is what do you think that you were put on this planet to do? For me, that's taking things that are pretty complex, which is our tax, our tax code. You can thank the government for that. And boiling it down is something that somebody can understand. That's my genius zone. My genius zone is not doing admin or sending emails or like clipping and editing. I outsource all that. And I used to think that it was rude, send people calendar links or have my admin send somebody something to book a call. But if you really think about it, you're actually doing the world a disservice by not spending all of your time in your genius zone. Because if you're spending time doing admin, if you're back end, you're doing the world a disservice because the world needs you in your genius zone. And so I would say going into 2023, I was probably like only 20% of the time in my genius zone and 80% of the time the rest. I flipped that. I would say in 2023, I'm like 70% of my genius zone, 30% doing other bullshit. And for 2024, my goal is to spend 100% of the time doing only what I can do on the planet, which is my genius. So <clears throat> I love that, man. And as you were talking, you, you said the answer that I was looking for, but I wanted you to say it, which is we have a lot of people, not a lot, but some people will apply for Action Academy and they'll say, oh, I just don't have time for any of this. I'm working a full-time job. I've got kids at home. I don't have time for this. And a coach once told me a line that changed my f- perspective on this completely. And, and that line is, oh, so you think you're going to be less busy five years from now? Like when you're making more money, your kids are like, you got more kids, like things are, you think you're going to be less busy five years from now if you get everything that you've ever wanted and you're running these companies and you're doing these businesses. No, you're never going to be less busy. So the difference between people that thrive in Action Academy and the people that struggle are the ones that just have that dog mentality. Like you said, they're like, like, for me, I don't talk about it enough on the podcast or in my content, but there was a period of years where I would come home from working 60 hours a week and I was driving 24-7. I would drive across the state of Georgia uh, in one day for my job and I would come home and I'd be dog tired after working 10 hours that day. I'd go to the gym, I'd come home and then all night I'm analyzing rental properties. All night I'm doing all this stuff. And so you have to do what's required to set yourself up. So it may be one or two years of pain for a lifetime of gain. So you have to say pay now or play later or play now and pay later, which I really love is what one of our buddies, Jaron says. Another thing you said about the zone of genius, I really agree with that. And for me, ironically, I was just with the CEO of Keller Williams. I just did a two-day seminar with them. I actually got direct coaching on this because a lot of people, and this is speaking to my sales guys and girls specifically, I love sales. That is actually my zone of genius is setting the vision for my company and in sales. So a lot of people view sales as the first thing to delegate and to outsource. And for you, yes, it may be. But for me, I'm obsessed with the art of sales, which is literally just helping people make an informed decision. And so for me, it's does my entire calendar need to be that? No. Do I need to remove myself from that where it's my natural zone of genius? And when I'm not selling, I'm not being the best and fullest version of me? No. So I was actually in this mad dash to remove myself, but I realized I was like, no, this is what I really enjoy doing. And I get fired up and I get energized. 
from being on sales conversations, even when I tell people that it's not a fit, that energizes me because I help them make the correct decision for them. So that's a cool point that I wanted to bring up as well is find your zone of genius, do what you do best and delegate the rest, which is what you're starting to do now. So I'm curious, when you started this company and you were doing all this, you did 100K your first year, like 800K your second year, your first full year into it full time. And now you did 1.7. What was your order? Because you don't have a massive following. You've got, I think, 25,000 on Instagram. You don't have this massive viral sensation, but you've got lead generation figured out and you've got product and offer figured out. So can you walk us through the inception of this and how you tackled things in order sequentially? Did you start with the offering and then you built the lead generation and then built fulfillment? Like, How did you go about this? Because 800K that first year is insane. And then 1.7, the following is even more insane. So how did you go about this? Mm -hmm. So I don't... The follower count to me, doesn't mean anything if they're never going to buy something from you. Okay. Correct. So it's all about the messaging that you use to your audience. So a lot of cats in this space, a lot of guys, like as soon as you follow them, you start getting retargeting ads, you start getting pitched, you start getting all this, and it's they just lose the sale. Versus if you build a bank of goodwill, like Alex Ramosi talks about this, it's every single post, every single comment or share or repost, it's building your bank of goodwill. And so when you go to ask for the sale, you're taking away from the bank of goodwill. And so I thought, what if I never ask? What if I just push content out indefinitely? And that was my mindset. So I would just like, you will never see, I'll pitch sometimes, but when I do pitch, it's like all out, you'll know. But I will, you give people so much goodwill and they're like, hey, I, I want to buy something from you. Like, how do I sign up? And so I built this like huge inbound lead funnel where I'm getting over 150 leads a month now, over 100 book calls, and I like I'm not doing any call to actions, and it's because so I started how? providing <laughs> That's exactly, insane. dude. I started providing quality content to a to a specific audience, like real estate investors, and I just built this bank of goodwill between the Instagram that my email list has got 9,000 real estate investors on there. I have a Facebook group with 9,000 uh, real estate investors in a Facebook group. like These are all people that have checked a box that said, I'm a real estate investor. Here's how many properties I have. And here's my damn email. And so now that I have all that, it's like, I can market to you. And I can figure out a way. Now, marketing, I've taken the Cadillac approach. okay, And the Cadillac approach says, you need to really have... If you're going to sell high ticket, you need to have about 7 points of contact with somebody. okay. So, so let's say somebody sees one of my reels on Instagram. Then they follow me. Then they start getting... Then they start getting what are called like top of funnel ads so that I could get their email. Now that I have their email, now I have Instagram, email, lead magnet. So now three points of contact. And then once they're on my lead magnet and I have their email, I'm sending them to my Facebook group, four points of contact. Then they start seeing my ads on Facebook, five points of contact. And then next thing you know, within two, three weeks, you're seeing me in seven different places. And it's, and I, but I'm never pitching. It's always value. It's always adding value because if you build that bank of goodwill indefinitely, like you'll never need to, you'll never need a pitch. Now, here's the thing about like attracting an audience. If you use the wrong bait, you'll catch the wrong fish. Okay. And I see tons mm. of people that build 80,000, 90,000. There's CPAs that have 80,000, 100,000 followers on Instagram. But I guarantee you, I make three times the amount of money that they do. And that's not to brag. That's just to say what's real. And I'm friends with some of them. And I'll, they'll, they'll post like a, a, a reel and it'll be like, oh, yeah, you could write off a G Wagon or you can write off you know, a meal with your girlfriend if she's on your board of directors. I'm like, what type of client 
do you think that attracts? Like what type of person looks at that and says, oh yeah, I, I need to sign up with this guy right away. Shitty clients, shitty people. But if you post like high-end content, those are the type of people that I want to attract. So if you use the wrong bait, you'll catch the wrong fish. Now, then a lot of people ask me like, how do you go about getting those emails? Because email marketing is how I uh, book so many calls. Like I probably book, I don't know, 25 calls a week just through emails. Mm-hmm. Lead magnets, okay? Lead magnets, the perfect lead magnet, by the way, it solves a problem that your prospect has, okay? But it also creates a new problem, okay? So let me give you an example. My lead magnet is a short-term rental or a long-term rental calculator. So with my lead magnet and my training video, you can feel confident that you can analyze a deal uh, within 10 to 15 minutes, know if it's a good deal or not, or we should keep moving forward. And so problem solved, now you know how to analyze a good rental property and you're getting like nurtured and I don't want to say indoctrinated, but that's really what it is. You're getting indoctrinated by my content and like hearing my voice and the training. But... I, so I just solved your problem. Now you know how to buy a rental property. New problem created. Now that you bought this profitable rental property and you're making money, you need to learn how to save money on taxes on the rental property. The ring of the ladder is just problem solved, new problem created. That problem got solved, new problem crea- created. All the way until now you have a funnel that pr- prints money. Yeah, and I get what you're saying, but I do think that you're making a call to action. But you're not posting in your content about the call to action. But like you said, so basically in public, you're leading with value and then you're making your ask in private and you're saying, hey, you got this problem, like book a call with our team and now we'll solve it after you've led with value seven points. Is that correct? Yeah, it's always giving value in public, you're selling in private, always, 100%. There we go. Yeah, so you're, you're not the guy that's like posting on your stories and you're saying, hey, sign up for, we were actually joking about the other day in the group chat. I said, if I ever post a free offer on my birthday, I was like, just go ahead and take me out to the woodshed and and end it there for me. But yeah, so you're selling, so you're giving free value in public, you're selling in private. I love that. And so with your ads, what is your ideal customer journey? Because I'll tell you what mine is and everybody that's listening to this podcast, for the most part, if they're listening this deep into this podcast, they're interested in this stuff. So my ideal customer journey is, is to have them come from social media. So a TikTok video, an Instagram post, a real a Facebook reel or something like that, or YouTube. And then they come from that to the Instagram. They follow me there, see a couple of videos, see a call to action to go to the podcast. Then they start listening to the podcast, which is where the actual value is. But they watch a 60-second video, and then they get 60 minutes of actual value from here for free. Then... They're like, okay, cool. After they listen to four episodes of the podcast, they're like, okay, this is exactly what I want. This is exactly who I need. Then they book a call and then we have a conversation to see. And it's a coaching conversation to see if this is actually like the best thing for them or it's not at all. And so that's our perfect thing. And then, of course, we have lead magnets and email and everything. That's something that we're working at right now. But I think your Facebook group approach is probably the best approach that I've seen that I'm not currently utilizing. And I think that you're doing it really well. So I'm curious from a fa- free Facebook group perspective and something that you said that was very important is you're collecting their name, their email, you're validating and confirming them at the get-go. If, if When you were starting that from scratch, like what was your strategy to provide value and to get people there? Are you driving the ads to the Facebook group? Like How did you get that up to 9,000? Because that's a playground for you and somebody to go message those people and then bring them in. I think if you just hire somebody to message those people and say, hey, thank you for joining. What were you looking to get out of this? 
I think you'll pop up to 5 million this year. So I'm curious, how did you start that? Yeah, so how I got started in Facebook groups especially was I was in other people's groups because the number one mm-hmm. cheapest and most effective way to build a brand is to provide value first. So I would go in all these other real estate Facebook groups and there's one in particular that it had 3,000 members when I joined. Now it's all the way up to 30,000 members. But I would just comment on people's posts. Hey, I have this tax question. I have this financial question. Like, What happens if I refinance? And I would just answer the question, provide a lot of value. And I would never drop my phone number. or I would never drop a link. And it just got built up to where people were like, Hey, I don't know the answer to this question, but this guy, Ryan, does. They tag me. And people would just start reaching out through DM. Hey, can I book a call? Blah, blah, blah. And then eventually, I'm like, man, I got to create my own group. So I create my own group. And then through those conversations in other people's Facebook groups, I was able to like extrapolate people out of those groups and then into my groups. And then it just built from there. And Facebook has a weird thing. And I've never been able to crack this. But all and it's not ads. It's not any of that. But all of a sudden, it's like Facebook will promote your group as a, like a trending topic. And dude, there's some weeks where I'll get 300 people to join it every single week. But most of the time, I'm only getting about 100 people to join a week, which is not bad. But there's some times where it's... I don't know what's going on with the algorithm. But to answer your question about that, you cannot go add to group. Facebook doesn't let you do that. You have to go... Unfortunately, you have to go add to landing page, then to the group. So a lot of times, like I don't want to send people in that circle, jerk. So I'll send them like add to lead magnet, get their email, provide them the lead magnet, and then funnel them into my group. Because part of the lead magnet follow-up will be, hey, like if you want a community of people to talk through this through, I got 9,000 real estate investors over here. Like post your deal here or just you know chat. Now, I will say this. My, and I, wanna, I wanted to touch on this because we didn't like, do it justice earlier. All roads lead to Rome and Rome is your email list. So the whole point of the social media funnel and the marketing and stuff like that is to get emails because you own your email, you own your audience. Like I've been banned on Instagram especially when all those like bot accounts were around. I've been banned on Instagram, suspended on Facebook and all that. And it's if I was relying on that to be my, you know, primary generator like we know some people that are, I'm screwed. Whereas like I've taken the approach where it's dude, all my social media accounts could get deleted and yeah, I'll take a good I'll take a hit, but dude, I will always have that email list. And there's something we said earlier about seeking a mentor early, okay? Because back in like late 2021, early 2022, the guy that's my one of my mentors now he does about three to five million dollars a year just through funnels, by the way. And he told me this a long time ago. He said email is the number one most important thing. And he told me that. And it was like a year from there. That's when I started building my email list. And I'm like, dude, I missed out on a year of building the email list. But what I have recognized, sometimes people will tell you stuff, but you're too young and you're too naive not to listen. So it's I didn't mm-hmm. appreciate that advice at the time that I was given it. Until I realized a year later how important having an email list is. And so it's like, that's why uh, paying for a mentorship is honestly like a shortcut to wealth. Because if I could go back and write a $10,000 check for all the stuff that this guy's taught me and like literally instantly have that in my brain, not within a week, but maybe a month, like all this education stuff, I would, I would do it in a heartbeat. Like I wouldn't even think twice about it. I would probably pay 50K to know all the stuff that I know now. Yeah. It's just buying time back. That's it. Yeah. And that's what we tell people in Action Academy too is it's it's <laughs> it's a funny pitch because I, I tell everyone and and there's everybody that's been on an Action Academy call listens to this podcast so they know this too is I tell every single person I'm like, "Hey, you can learn all this for free. You can figure it out. It's going to take you a lot of time, a lot of energy, and you're going to be like a shotgun kind of spraying for 10 years." 
well, we'll just help you do it in 10 months. That's the only thing. That's all we sell is just time back. If you want to do it faster, that's us. So the people mm-hmm. that join for our thing are naturally like they're making a lot of money. Their time is super, super valuable. So they're saying, okay, go ahead. I want to be financially free. I want to be able to travel around the world and I want to have six pack apps while doing it. Okay. There's <laughs> only about a fraction of a percent of people in the world that have pulled that off. Now, what's the easiest and best way to pull it off? Is it like going through an online course module? No, it's by being in the freaking group with the people that have done the thing. Duh. (laughs) And so it's so simple. I'm like, okay, we have the people that have done it. Here you go. Here we are. And then it just helps you do it faster. I think that's insanely important. And that's something that people overlook a lot. So looking back on your last two years, like you, you've crushed it. Now, hopefully, not hopefully, I'm going to match you and be right there with you this year. But if you can look back across your two years now, because my two years is in March, but year one, I was just traveling and figuring things out. This last year, 2023 has really been my first full year of full time like business because 2022, I was just like, oh, I'm financially free. I'm just going to jet around and just go lay on the beach. And that's when I learned that wasn't the answer. If you could look back in the last two years, what did you do wrong that you, knowing what you know today, you'd be like, man, I would shake myself back then. Besides the email list, what's some advice that you could give to Ryan two years ago? Yeah, I would say don't be the, you don't want to be the best. You want to be the only. Don't be the best. Be the only. That's good. Because there's, there's other real estate CPAs out there. There's other tax strategists out there. But are there tax strategists that can also tell you what does it mean for your bankability or lending or legal or all these other things that you're not even thinking about? And it's like this concept of you do not want to be competing. If you're competing in a pool of one, that's it. Like You're the only person on the planet that can provide that level of service. And so I, I don't want to be the best. I want to be the only. That's something that I've learned that I wish I would have learned when I first got started is, yeah, have a premium ass product and charge a lot of money for it because you're the best at what you do. I would say another thing too, just more on a technical side, is when you draw out like a funnel, you draw out an SLP, you figure out where the roadblock is. Like you figure out where where is it? Is it leads? Because when I first got started, I had all problems. Like I had a lead gen problem, I had a, a sales problem, and I had a fulfillment problem. And then eventually, okay, the content helped me solve the lead problem. Problem solved, new problem created. Now I have to learn how to close all these people. And so I look back on my calendar. I took 250 sales calls between me and my team in 2022 that we didn't close on. And it's, dude, if I would have just converted 20% of those 250 into paying clients, that would be like an extra quarter million dollars of revenue. And it's, that's what it costed me not to know how to sell. So then you know what I did? Like I paid $10,000 for a sales coach to go and teach me. So then he starts teaching me all these sales like tips, tactics, even before you get on the call, pre-handling objections, learning how to deal with rebuttal, the spouse rebuttal, the, the I don't have time, I don't have the money, all those rejections. And you know how you said that you could pay for it with your time or your money? Like I use the same one. It's hey, hey Brian, look, like if you don't fix this like tax strategy thing, like, if you really think about it, you're either gonna pay it to learn how to save money, or you're gonna pay the government, like because they're gonna come for you anyway. So it's who do you want to pay? Do you wanna pay us and invest in your education or do you want to pay the IRS? And it's, so when I learned how to handle those objections, like my close rate read up, went up. Now I had another problem on the fulfillment end. It's, dude, I have 30, 40 people joining this program a month. Now I got a fulfillment problem. And it's like, where is the bottleneck? And, and you have to patch it, prioritize it right away. But one, one thing too is like sales. If you can learn sales, if you, if you know how to sell to people, you'll never be broke because you could just mm-hmm. always go and like be a salesperson for somebody or whatever. I would also say with the value thing is understand your value and your pricing and stick to it. 
And I always use this story of it's like an old German like folklore. Basically, there's a manufacturing company. They made widgets. And this company made $100,000 a week back in the 1930s just by it's like Henry Ford style conveyor belt shit. Okay. All of a sudden, the machine stopped. Okay. And they could not figure out how to get this machine to work. And they were losing $100,000 a week. So they call all the people in the area that they think can fix it. Nobody can fix it. And then all of a sudden, they're like, oh, let's call this old German guy. Okay. And so they call this old guy and he, go, and he shows up. And he's like knocking on this box and he's tapping around for 20 minutes. And all of a sudden he goes, he brings the guys in. He, he draws a black X on the box and he says, drill a hole right here. So they, they bring the guys in with the drill. They drill the hole, pulls the drill out. And all of a sudden the machines, the, the conveyor belt started working again. Okay. And two weeks later, the company got an invoice in the mail for $50,000 from the guy and for the services. And the guy called him, dude, you were only here for 30 minutes. Like, how is it $50,000? Like, you were only here for 30 minutes. He goes, you're not paying for the 30 minutes that I was there. You're paying me for the dozens of years I have of experience to know where to drill that hole. And so then he like mm. put on the invoice, he's like, 30 minutes of time, uh, 100 bucks. 30 years of experience to know where to drill the hole, 49000 and whatever it was. Like, yeah. And so know, your, know the value that you bring to the table and charge for it. And... um. Yeah, man. That, that's just the advice that I have. I, I love that, dude. It's the same story as like Pablo Picasso in a cafe with the back of the napkin. With Somebody the, says, hey, can you draw garbage. me a... Yeah. yeah, can you draw me a picture? And he goes, here you go. It's $50,000. What the heck? He's No, you're paying for the years and decades of experience. So what I see from you, which is the common theme over this interview, is that you find an expensive problem to solve and then you relentlessly tackle that problem until you become the only person that can solve that problem. And that's what we do too, is that is the only thing that I focus on every single day, every single night. That is the only thing I focus on is how do I, I see Dave Ramsey and Dave Ramsey is the best of the best when it comes to getting people out of debt. So I want to be like that level for people that are looking to now safely utilize debt to exit these six-figure jobs, I want to be like the antithesis of the golden handcuffs. I want people to say, oh, I've got these golden handcuffs. I can't get out of them. And then I'm like the giant pair of golden bolts that cuts the golden handcuffs because I've had that specific problem and it's a very niche problem. We don't help people buy their first property. We don't help people use all these creative strategies because they don't have any money. No, you make $300,000 a year, homie. You have a huge problem, but it's not a problem that you think. And it, most of the time, these people are already capable and competent. They're just not confident because they haven't done the thing yet. Mm-hmm. Dude, I love every single second of this. So drop, where can people find out more about you, what you do? And then also drop the name for the Facebook group. And then we'll put a link for people to go join that as well. Yeah. So I'm on all social media, just at learn like a CPA. I still try to respond to all my DMs. So if you hit me up with a message, say you came from the Action Academy podcast, I'll respond to you. And the Facebook group is going to be Tax Strategies for Real Estate Investors. We got over 9,100 real estate investors in there engaging daily. So that's where you can find me. And uh, yeah, it was an awesome podcast. I'll have to come back and talk just about tax strategy because we didn't even get into that, but it's cool. That's the easy stuff. No, no, I absolutely love it. But uh, yeah, dude, we'll 1000% have you back on. And then obviously we'll do, I think it'll probably be best to do a call like within Action Academy because now you're in Action Academy as well. I added you. So we could do a call in there and do a live Q&A and everything. And then we can post that as more content for both me and you. That would be freaking awesome. So uh, just get everybody in a group and let's, yeah, let's do the live Q&A. I could do that. 
That's jam. Sweet, dude. I appreciate you coming on, man. This has been freaking awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. Thanks for having me. And guys, with that, this has been Ryan and Brian with the Action Academy Podcast signing off. Hey, real quick. If you're still listening to today's episode, I'm assuming you got value from it. So I need your help specifically. My two-year vision with this show is to help over 1 million people do what they want, when they want, with who they want. And I can only do that with your help. There are two main ways that a podcast grows. One is through ratings and reviews, and the other is word of mouth. If you could please leave me a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as well as send this to one or two friends that you think would get value from it, we can reach the people that we're looking to reach. Thanks in advance. Talk tomorrow.